Good morning. Are you a little worried about today's sermon? Have you been here the last couple of weeks? Two weeks ago, what did we share about? You weren't even here. (laughs) Pastor Steve, money. The problem is they don't remember. (laughs) We talked about money and how Jesus saw generosity. This series is Jesus Saw. Let's see if you remember last week. (laughs) I'm not sure it's time for him to return to worshiping with us. (laughs) That's easy for you to say. You're not the one being heckled. (laughs) Those of you who don't know Steve Starr, because some of the people don't know you, why don't you stand up? I'll embarrass you. And Marsha. Stand up. Steve is the former pastor, the retired pastor of this church, and he served time away from our congregation, as was required. (laughs) And we're experimenting with letting him come back. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. So we talked, last week Pastor Bill preached a very tough and excellent sermon on the fact that Jesus sees when we are inappropriate in how we address sex, how we address other things in our lives. It was a tough message. So I ask you again, are you a little nervous? Because this is the third... Oh, James says, bring it on! Bring it on! This sermon today is a lot easier to take. So take a deep breath and prepare to receive a gift that you may not yet know you have. And if you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word. As I'm reading this, I want you to be paying attention to two words. He saw. So you can answer the test that's going to follow. Now hear the reading. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. So there's the reading of God's word, and you may be seated. What did Jesus see? He saw how many people? Four men. What did he see in them? What did he see in them? They're out fishing, and he calls them, and they come. What does he see? Keep that in mind as we further discuss this today. To give you a little background, because for me it's always been interesting that they are in the midst of doing this. In one account, they've just caught the most fish they've ever caught in their lives. And Jesus calls them, and they drop it all and follow Would we do that? Would we do that? 
And yet, that's what we're called to do. So, back in the time of Christ, you had a rabbinic, a rabbi system that was fully in place, and it dictated what you would be doing in your life. And so, at five years old, it was believed that one is fit for the scripture, fit to learn scripture, to hear the word being shared. At ten years, a young boy was fit for the Mishnah, which is the oral interpretation of the scripture that is done, and especially the Torah, which is done by the rabbi. What happens at 13 in a Jewish boy's life? A bar mitzvah. It's when when the boy becomes a man in the eyes of the synagogue. And at that time, that young boy was considered to be ready to concentrate on fulfilling the commandments of the law, of the Torah. At that point, there was a real change for some of these young men. It was determined whether they were had the potential to go forward and to learn more about working through the temple, being a teacher, and if they weren't fit for that, they dropped out of the learning system and took up a trade which prepared them then for the rest of their lives. So when you look at these fishermen, you need to realize they were dropouts. They, they failed at being fit to continue into the learning phase, into the discipleship phase of the rabbi. A rabbi was an honored teacher. He was not necessarily the head of the synagogue. There were many rabbis that would wander around teaching. And he was well-versed in the text. He knew the text. He knew in the Hebrew, knew, could interpret, could share, could teach, and was deeply respected by the culture. Deeply respected for his righteous way of living. And for the Galileans, walking with God took priority over everything. I surely wish it were that way now. But then, this is the way it was viewed. Your faith was everything. And a rabbi and his disciples was highly, all of them were highly respected by the community. The families, the extended families that they encountered, were expected and and joyfully did provide housing, provide food, took care of their needs because they so wanted to drink in the knowledge that they brought. Because of the high respect for the study of the Torah, because the rabbi was leading the people to experience the kingdom of heaven, any disciple was expected to honor the rabbi even more highly than his own father. Does this help you as it helps me to understand then why these brothers would leave their dad? See, yes, that was not considered to be something that was disrespectful, but was appropriate when called to be a disciple. So here you have these four fishermen. They failed. They weren't one of the chosen ones that showed that potential to learn more and more and more and more. It took up to about age 30 for a man to be considered ready to be a rabbi, 
to be a teacher. And we know that Jesus' ministry started around the time he was 30. So here these men picture this, that they are fishing, and this rabbi comes by. He says, hey, come follow me. Suddenly, they've made it. They've made it. And yet, what did Jesus see? What did Jesus see in them? Because they didn't have the training. What did he see that caused him to call to them and caused them to follow, without question, to follow? I have a little test for you. You know, this is what you get when you have a former teacher. I'm going to share some different characters in the Bible and see if you can figure out who I'm talking about. Old Testament first. People saw, oh, by the way, if you're seminary educated, you can't answer. (laughs) Sorry. People saw one who laughed in God's face. God saw an ancestor for the Messiah. Sarah. People saw a schemer. God saw a part of the covenant. Jacob, good job. People saw a murderer and a coward. God saw, this is easier, one to lead the exodus. Moses. People saw a heathen harlot. God saw an ancestor for the Messiah. Rahab, good job. People saw a lowly shepherd boy. God saw a king. I got that one. We can tell what you've studied the most, or what we've preached on the most. People saw a spoiled, bragging child. Got that one before the next one. God saw one who would save his family and a nation during famine. People saw an unfaithful fiancé. God saw the ideal mother for his only son, Mary. People saw an educated fisherman. God saw fishers of men. You should get that one from the scripture. People saw a pagan with many husbands. God saw one who would be eager to tell of his love. The woman at the well. People saw, this one changes, a faithful steward. Can you guess? Good job. This is great. You, you have, you're, you're getting this idea. God saw a betrayer. Judas. People saw one who failed under pressure. God saw one upon whom he could build his church. People saw one who was obsessed with persecuting Christians. God saw one to reach the Gentiles for Christ. Paul, so what is God and Jesus seeing? What are they seeing? But you you looked at the title of the sermon, didn't you, Barb? (laughs) God sees the heart. God sees potential. And do we have that potential? Do we have potential? I think 
think sometimes we think we don't. I, I remember when I first came to this church, there wasn't potential to be seen. I don't know how many of you were here when I first came. Obviously, Pastor Steve was, Martha was. But I sat in, towards the back like most newcomers do. I sat there a long time. And I did nothing. I didn't come every Sunday. When I came, I was so shy that I couldn't get out of the narthex fast enough. God certainly didn't see in me what I was seeing in me and what other people were seeing in me. He saw something crazy. He saw someone that was crazy enough to say yes to anything, to anything, and who was willing to just go with it. I'm still willing to go with it because I've learned that when I do that, it's fun. It's fun. Do you remember what was on your desk, Pastor Steve, that I told you represented my walk with the Holy Spirit? It was a motorboat with a water skier. My job was and is to hold on and to keep my balance and to trust the pilot of that boat. That's what these fishermen did. Potential is a latent excellence or ability that may or may not have been developed. The Latin root, what, what word is in there? Potential. Potent. Potent means to have authority, power, to have force, effectiveness, strength, and it's a capacity to be, become, or develop. What does Jesus see when he looks at us? What does he see? He sees potential, but do we realize that? Do you know how I know that you have potential, whether I know you or not? What do you receive when you've accepted Christ? The Holy Spirit. Is that enough power for you? Is the Holy Spirit potent enough? Sometimes we're afraid the Holy Spirit is too potent and might take us places we're not comfortable with going. What else does the Holy Spirit bring us? Spiritual? You don't want to answer that, do you? Because if you answer it, you're admitting that you have potential. And oh no, what if you don't use it? Do you remember the parable of the talents? Is it good to bury your talents? Not so much. Not so much. I love this, this saying. I don't even know where it came from. I've known it for years. God does not call the qualified. What does he do? He qualifies the called. What did God see in me? The, 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 I, he saw in me a desire to please him, and he saw in me that I would say yes. I would say yes. No matter how crazy what he was asking would be, and in this case, often it was Pastor Steve doing the asking, I would say yes. Even if I had no clue, I remember the very first thing I did here of any significance was when I was asked to put together a Wednesday program. When Wednesday night started, Pastor Steve, Pastor Brett knew that I taught school. That's about all they knew about me. And they knew I taught kids, and they said, hey, would you put together a children's program for Wednesday night? Would you do something with those kids so the parents can come to class? 
you got to. Hang up the phone. I don't know anything about children's ministry. I don't know anything about children's ministry. I taught children's music. I had no idea. Then when I started asking some questions, I learned, when did this music start? In three weeks. Three weeks. Is there a curriculum? No. Is there a budget? No. I'm a Christian. (laughs) And so I had to figure it out. And do you know what I experienced during that time? It was so fun. I remember this well many, many years ago. I remember walking into craft stores and standing there knowing what person in the Bible we were going to learn about and think, okay, God, give me the ideas because I need to come up with three crafts. And it was the most wonderful thing to begin to learn what it is to lean on Christ and to have the ideas come from him because they did. He didn't see in me great ability. He saw in me a willingness to take risks. There's a passage in the book of Numbers that talks about what those spies were feeling when they went into the promised land to check things out. And it talks about they saw milk and honey. They saw all the wonderful things that God had told them that would be there. And then... Ten of them said, we can't go there. We can't go there. That's what they said. We saw the Nephilim there. I haven't seen any Nephilim lately. But Nephilim were giants. They were huge, huge people. And we saw the Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes. And we looked the same to them. What do you see? When you look at yourself, what do you see? Are you a grasshopper? Or are you capable of making a giant difference for God? So often, we limit God's power in us by not being willing to allow for the potential that He puts there and that He will empower. I love to ask this question when people come and talk to me about discovering what they want to do in ministry, what they're called to do. And the question is, what would you do for Jesus? If you were guaranteed success, because we're always terrified of failure, and if money were no object, what would you do? And if you have something that just popped in your mind, pray about that. Pray about that. What is ha- what's happening with lots of helping hands? Very similar. It's a crazy thing. It's so fun to watch the Spirit working through this already. And it's only begun. This is a quote from a devotional I received last week. I love it when I get something that fits a sermon that's coming ahead. Os Hillman says, Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. And this is what he wrote. God is constantly viewing our lives with future success in mind. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah 43, 19. Someone once said, when your memories are bigger than your dreams, you're headed for the ground. God wants to give us new dreams that are bigger than anything that has ever happened to us in the past. That structure myself, are my dreams bigger 
in their numbers. If they're not, I need to spend more time with God. I need to spend more time letting the Spirit work in me. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. He cast a vision that was compelling. He cast a vision for you. He cast a vision for me of things that I can do that I cannot imagine. And I don't need to worry about whether I can do it. He is calling me. He will do it through me. If he is calling you, and he is, he will do whatever he's calling you to do. With his power, you just get to go on to the water. Hold on to the sea boat. Hold your balance. Don't let go. And see where God will take you. You have potential. You have potential. Let's go walk it and see what will happen. Will you pray with me, please? Lord God, thank you for seeing and planting in us potential to do great things for you. Lord, let us not see ourselves as grasshoppers. Let us not focus on failures or on risks that we may be taking, but Lord, let us be bold. Pour your spirit within us that we can go forward and make a difference for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Yes, we should please come forward and receive the offering. Thank you.